0: From the city of Beaky Blinders, Birmingham, England, I would like to introduce you to Paddy
1: Dandar. As the world becomes more automated and the robots take over, it's imperative that we build the right human skills for the future. So pull up a chair, grab a small or two and make yourself very uncomfortable. Hey folks. Thank you for joining us for an episode of the Superpower School podcast. Yes, this is the very first episode and we're going to do things a little bit different. We're not going to bring in a world famous guest or a thought leader or an author. Instead, you're going to be lumbered with me. Now, I could sit here and just talk to myself for the next few minutes, but I thought it'd be a bit more interesting if I put a willing volunteer who is going to interrogate me for the next few minutes. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome Vera Mehet to the show. Hey Vera, how are you doing?
0: Hello. Hi Paddy, I'm good, thank you. And hello listeners.
1: I'm really looking forward to this session because I know when you and I first talked about what could the first episode of the podcast look like, we were thinking about different guests that we could bring on. And then you said to me, Paddy, I could just ask you a few questions and get to know you a bit. So uh, I'm really glad you did that because I think that was a great idea.
0: Yeah, well, actually, Paddy, I was asking you for a practice session before that. You're like, no, why don't you join me for episode one? So it's a bit of a surprise for me. So it's been a pleasure.
1: I'm completely in your hands today, Vera. So you can ask me whatever. I don't think any topic is off limits.
0: I think listeners would be curious as to why you Tr- even trusted me to come along and interrogate you. You like to include people and also you like to do things with others. Like you're very collaborative. I was wondering, first of all, could you explain to me and our listeners why do you like doing that?
1: So, oh, what a great question, Vera. If I rewind a few months to when you and I first met through LinkedIn, you reached out to me and asked if I would be willing to support a particular conference that you were helping arrange. I think from the moment that we really started talking about even preparation for that event, it was really clear to me that you and I had a similar mindset when it comes to supporting communities and helping others. And there's a quote that I would say is my favorite. And that's a famous quote from Mahatma Gandhi, which is the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. and. I just feel whenever I come across anyone who demonstrates those sort of values and principles, I'm instantly wanting to work with them and and stick with them because that's a rare thing these days. I think it's really difficult finding people who are genuine and selfless in terms of their support for people around them. And that's something I saw in you, Vera. So, you know, you'll probably get all embarrassed on me now, but I felt that we had that connection and. For that reason, I was elated that you took up my invite to support me on some of the episodes.
0: Oh, buddy, I am surprised. That somehow you complimented me in that. Since like our first conversation, and you might not remember, we spoke even before that. I just reached out to say, hey, I went to your visual thinking meetup, enjoyed it. And you're like, oh, if ever you need my help, let me know. And sometimes people just say that, don't they don't mean it. But then you actually like willing to give your time for free. (laughs) And you're right, that doesn't happen often. That's a a rare trait. And I think it does pay off in the long run to help others.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's an element of karma there as well, right? So when we do a good deed, hopefully somehow that will be returned to us in some way or other. And that's something I strongly believe in. But it's not all about doing something in return for something else. I'll give you an example. My grandfather used to always say, whenever anyone comes to your house, you treat them amazing. They should go away from your house thinking, that was the most amazing experience that I've ever had. And especially way back in the day when my parents had come to the UK as immigrants, we were always having to prove ourselves and I guess just be accepted and To give someone an amazing experience and then for them to tell their friends and say, Hey, I went to this Punjabi family's house and they were the most nicest people I've ever met. What better way for you to spread a message of positivity about your culture and about your people? And I've always stuck by that. I think that's a really great way of thinking about life generally. And when we meet people, I want them to walk away going... I had such a great conversation with that person. Or, you know, that's someone that I could really talk to again and feel good about the conversation. And I think it's for that reason that I'll often embrace anyone who comes along and and asks for help. Can't say I can always help. I'm I'm not qualified, but I'll certainly give it a try. And if I can't, I'll I'll let them know. I think that's all you can do.
0: That whole idea of being in a community as well, where lots of people are willing to help one another, I think it's just such a a joy to be part of. So even better, if it's not just one person like that, but lots of people, it kind of has a knock-on effect, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, again, going back to some of the stories of back in the day when we used to travel to India, for example, seeing people in the village and just how supportive they were towards one another. I think there's definitely an element Of those experiences from childhood that I've been able to bring to what I do now to see how you can build a real community around you. It doesn't all have to be a a transactional relationship, which is what we often find with social media. You know, when people talk about LinkedIn or Instagram, people like your posts and you feel you have so many followers and you've built this whole movement behind you when actually a lot of that is transactional people will like something but there's there's no depth there there's no ongoing connection or deeper meaningful connection and i think that's something i'm really passionate about changing uh, is yeah. let's move away from transactional relationships let's move to those much more meaningful connections because we can all learn from one another and hey if someone reaches out to me I'd learn about 20 things from them in return. So it's definitely not a one-way thing for sure.
0: It sounds like your upbringing has had a real impact on you because a lot of the things you're doing now are community-related. That's how I got to know you through a visual thinking workshop you're doing with your friend Grant. So I know a bit about you and there are probably people tuned in who know about you as well through those visual thinking meetups and all the other stuff you're doing. if anybody hasn't heard of you before and they're thinking, who is Paddy Dander? What does he do? Please, will you tell us?
1: Oh, wow. So let, let me go back a few years, just a few years. I grew up in a town called Warwick. It's kind of in the middle of the UK, near to Birmingham. And I had the most amazing time in Warwick. I was there during my primary school years and... The thing about Warwick is it's a very old town and the shops, those sort of traditional shops where you can go in and buy sweets and they're all in jars back behind the counter. And the people were just so friendly and there was a real sense of community there as well. I literally knew most of the people in my school. Like personally, we knew the families because they all lived around the area. And if I were to describe Warwick to a movie, I would say it's a bit like Harry Potter. So aside from it being magical, there's a big castle in Warwick. And it really reminds me of Harry Potter and that whole sort of traditional British look. But then we moved to Birmingham, and that was around the age of 11. And so I went straight into high school. Now, If I were to describe Birmingham as a movie, I'd probably choose something like Jurassic Park, right? It's the Wild West. Lots of dangers all around you. And you really do have to be the fittest to survive. I remember going to this high school and my very first day there, I was assigned one of the other children to be my buddy. And I remember this guy showed up and he had leather-look trousers His shirt buttons were undone. And he taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, I'm your buddy. Now, I'm okay with that. But the next question he asked me was, can I borrow 20 pence? And so, without really knowing this kid, he's asking me for money. But he promised me and said, give me 20 and I will give you double back tomorrow. And now me being new, I didn't want any trouble, so... I handed over my 20 pence, hoping I would at least receive what I had given him. And true to his word, he gave me 40 back the next day.
0: Honestly, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> That's not, this isn't half the story. You know.
1: Wow. Every day, or every other day, he would again ask me for money and I would, I would give it. I don't condone this, by the way, to anyone. But they used to play this game called Money Marlies. And again, it was the type of school it was. None of the teachers banned it. It wasn't seen as something that they were particularly bothered about. But children used to play this game where they have to throw coins and the one closest to the wall would win all of the money. But this guy, he was amazing at this game. And I became his bank. So he would borrow money from me and then pay me back with interest. And, and almost like my first step into entrepreneurship in a way, because I was funding this little venture of his and he was so good at it. Anyway, to cut a long story short, the high school that I went to was pretty wild. Everybody wanted to fight you. They wanted to see where you rank on the pecking order of the strongest guys in the school. And I have to tell you, I was probably pretty low down. But when I left high school, the government had started publishing league tables to say where. Each school sits in that league table. Now, out of the whole of the UK, the year that I left high school, the Midlands was bottom of that league table. And within the Midlands, the West Midlands was bottom. And within the West Midlands, Sandwell was bottom. And within Sandwell, my school was bottom. So indirectly, my school was the worst performing school that year in the whole of the UK. And I know many of the other kids that went there They weren't particularly academic, and a couple of them even got locked up and went to prison a few years later. And I read about them in the news. Now, I've luckily gone on a path that's kept me away from that sort of trouble. But when I look back now and I think, how on earth did I go from there to working for a big global bank and doing the things that I do now? It it is really phenomenal, just for me, even to reflect for myself. And I guess a message to anyone out there is, I believe it's the people around you that help shape you into the direction that you're going to go in. And I just had three or four amazing friends around me. One of them now, he's a one of the top trauma consultants in the UK. Again, he and I went to this school, wasn't seen particularly academic, but he's gone on to amazing things. And I just think just having that core set of people around you can really influence the direction that you end up going. So that's just a little bit about me in terms of my schooling. And I have to say, there were three things at that stage of my life that I was pretty sure on. The first was, I wasn't very academic. I really didn't have a good experience at school in terms of learning. And I almost made a promise to myself when I left university that I never wanted to study ever again. I felt I was done. That was the first thing. Second thing, I was really creative back then. And I used to do a lot of art. But when I saw that at the time, there wasn't much money in art, just never drew ever again until recently. And the third thing I knew was I was a massive introvert. I would be the last person to stick up my hand in class. I'd be the last person to stand up in front of people and talk. And so, again, you know, those three things that I came out with, I've totally flipped all three of those on their heads. I mean, you know a little bit about me now, Vera, but uh, that's how I was back then. So that's just a bit of context about where I've come from.
0: Thank you, Paddy. I like those stories though. Is that stuff I didn't know about you actually so I'm learning about you. Uh, Especially like that your buddy ended up being pretty (laughs) marvellous at school. I I relate a bit as well but in a slightly different way. At school I used to love being creative. I think I'm a bit quieter now. I used to be quite a lively one at school. Not exactly popular but (laughs) I'd, I'd have fun and be able to speak up. But I feel like since college, university, and then into working in an office, I feel like my creativity just gradually got sat and my personality sat. I don't know what it was. And then I got to come in contact with you and go along to some of your things that you were doing. It was really refreshing and energized me. And I thought, hey, I can bring some of this creativity in the work that I'm doing. So... I've really benefited from that. What is your mission at the moment with the whole creative side and I suppose bringing the workplace to life a bit more? I've
1: for many years been very corporate in everything that I've done. And when I started my career as well, I felt that I had to fit into that corporate world and almost suppress a lot of my personality, my culture, my background. I did that for years and years, and it got to a point, I remember when I was working for this big global bank, I had just run a training course, and my manager at the time, a lady called Gabrielle Patrick, who was absolutely amazing, she tapped me on the shoulder after I'd run this training course, and she said, hey, how did you feel that went? And I reflected for a moment, and I thought, actually, I think I did okay probably not the best, probably not the worst. I felt like I did okay. I didn't fluff my lines, felt that the audience were engaged. And she turned around and she said, well, Paddy, from where I was sitting, I thought you did a terrible job. And for me to hear that from her, especially because she's such an amazing leader and I just have so much respect for Gabby, it really hurt. I was almost in tears. I was stood there looking right at her, thinking, are you serious? And she went on to say, you always go on about your culture and how rich your culture is. You have music, you have all of these great ceremonies, special occasions you celebrate in all of these different ways. She said, but none of that came out in that session today. And she said, you could have been anyone off the street and we could have put them there and nobody would have remembered you after they left that session. And it really got me to think about, Hey, maybe it's okay. Maybe it's okay to be different. Maybe it's okay for me not to be so corporate. And it was Gabby that really gave me a kick up the butt to start to change my approach and in a way she created a Frankenstein, I think, because from that conversation and she'll probably never realize this, but I took it to the extreme at this big global bank. I was privileged to head up the agile learning and that meant I could design the training and deliver a lot of the courses. I got to travel 15 different countries in one year, delivering courses, coaching, and just having so much fun doing it because I met so many amazing people. But one of the things I used to do was at the start of every session is to get everybody up and do some bangra dancing. And the rumors about that, yeah. You've heard, oh my God, they spread. So I used to literally spend the first ten minutes just getting everyone energized, and it became this signature thing that whenever Paddy runs a session, this is what he does. And people started to come late to my sessions on purpose because they wanted to miss that ten-minute slot right at the beginning. And I'm I'm not talking just about junior people here. Like I literally did this with executives at this investment bank and. For anyone to do that with that level of seniority was unheard of. But I tell you one thing, they always remembered me afterwards. They always remembered me as being the Bangra guy. Regardless of how the session went, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, they would always remember the guy that delivered it. And it just taught me to bring your whole personality to work, be different, All of these things that we've suppressed for many years, like creativity and and the artistic side, actually people love that. Whenever you stand there and you doodle and you start to create something that's visual, it gets people really engaged. And having just experimented with a few visuals and things, again, I started bringing that to my training and people started giving really nice feedback and I got started getting more and more serious about it. I found there were some books on this and over time it started to become again another signature part of my delivery. And as you know, long story short, now I get to co-host this amazing meetup with Grant, as you mentioned, called the Visual Jam. And it's phenomenal. It's a global community. I think we're up to almost 1800 members right now. And we literally come together every month and we just have loads of fun with it and it's been amazing. So thank you to all of the community that come to those sessions and for all your support because that's what spurs us on. It's that sort of positivity that people give to us afterwards.
0: Yeah, it's like a movement, isn't it? Bringing fun to work and I'm so glad to hear that, you know, you enjoy yourself with what you're doing and you're not afraid or maybe you're having to push yourself sometimes to like challenge yourself to be yourself at work and all that but you don't necessarily back down even if it means that people skip the first bit of your workshop.